Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Okay, it's my turn. This is fun. Hey, uh, Harrison, I agree with you. I absolutely love Holy Week. Um, I love everything that it represents. The the joy of Palm Sunday as Christ made his way in. Um, The heaviness uh, that... that, that, uh, on Tenebrae, the, the uh, night before Christ died, and then, of course, his, his death on the cross, followed by resurrection. Um, one thing that, that is true for some people in church during Holy Week especially and Christmas time is that church is not a place you usually go to, and um, it feels like a good part of the year. Perhaps someone you know, has kind of coaxed you to come, and sometimes church uh, can be a very awkward place if you're not a part of the church. I just want to say this to you today. You are so welcome in this place today. Um, you are so loved. KPC is not a place where we have a bunch of sanctified saints who have everything figured out and we're looking down our noses at the world. We are people um, who were once lost and alone and empty, and Jesus Christ showed up in our lives, made a difference. He's called us together as a family, and there is room in our family for you. So just be aware of that. You are loved. Um, no matter where you're coming from. And having said that, I want to uh, wish all of you a very rich and joyous Palm Sunday. And if by some chance it is not rich and joyous, I aim to do something about that today, okay? So get ready. So let's start by hearing uh, the story of the first uh, of Palm Sunday all over again in a fresh new way. Luke 19, verses 28 through 40. This is the action of Palm Sunday from the Word of God. It says, Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went out and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, put Jesus on it. As he went along into Jerusalem, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, If they keep quiet, the very stones will cry out in their place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious passage of Scripture. Father, I thank you for Luke, who detailed it for us, Lord, so so that we would see, we would know everything as it comes together for our salvation. And and God, I thank you that you haven't left out one thing that we need to hear. So today, God, we want to squeeze the juice out of this passage Father God, I know there's a place for us in that crowd, crying out with the same confession, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So God, move us to that place in Jesus' name as we listen. Amen. 
Okay, um, I want to bring up one very curious and not very often preached about aspects of Jesus' ministry on earth, okay? We have these moments in the Bible, okay, and there happen to be many of these moments where Jesus strictly warned people not to go out and tell other people who he was. Has anyone ever read that and gone, wait a minute, what, what, what is this? Um, I'll give you one of them from Scripture, uh, Mark 7, through 37. Some people brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After Jesus took him aside away from the crowd, he put his fingers into the man's ears. Then Jesus spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said to him, Ephaphra, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. And then Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone about it. So here you have it again. It's, it's this command from Jesus that shows up in so many of these healing and deliverance encounters, and it's just, it's just hard to compute. I mean, I've struggled with this my whole life reading the Bible because this seems to go against the very thing that Jesus came to do. You know, Jesus has an ultimate goal, doesn't he? And it is to make God known, to spread the word so that every single person will hear who he is, what he's come to do, this saving work. But over and over again in Scripture, he will do something miraculous and eye-opening and life-changing and then he just has this, the only way I can think of describe it is he just has this Elmer Fudd moment, you know? Jesus will look up and go, shh, be very, very quiet. Oh, and you just, you, you don't get it. We, yeah, thank you for that. We, we just don't get it. And, and, and so we read this and we go, there's got to be a reason. And there is a reason, and it's a very simple reason. It is not yet fully that moment. It is not time for Jesus to be fully revealed to everyone, to, to the world. And so for now, what Jesus does, and he does it throughout the Gospels, is he is writing chapters of salvation here and there in this person's life and in that person's life. But what he is waiting for, for the entire three years, he is waiting for God to pull back the curtain in one glorious moment and say, here is my son the saving king, the savior of the world. He's waiting for the right moment for God to reveal him. And that's actually what our ending verse last week was. Uh, if you remember, I ended, I just alluded to briefly, Romans 3, 21. Paul is actually pointing to this moment here in a way. And, and, and he says this, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. So that is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the moment when God throws back the curtain. Palm Sunday is the moment when Jesus Christ is finally revealed to everyone as the Christ, as the Savior as the eternal heavenly king, as the Lord, and also as the Lamb of God for all mankind. Listen to what John Stott has to say about both Palm Sunday and about this passage in Romans. Um, he, he, he says this, All human beings of every race and rank, every creed and culture, Jews and Gentiles, 
the immoral and the moralizing, the religious and the irreligious, are without any exception sinful, all of them, guilty, inexcusable, speechless before God. That was the terrible human predicament described in Romans. We've been going through 1 through uh, 320. That was the incredible, horrible, horrific, tragic human predicament all the way up until Palm Sunday for the world. There was no ray of light, no flicker of hope, no prospect of rescue. But now... God himself has intervened. After the long, dark night, the sun has risen. A new day has dawned. The world is flooded with light. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. It is a fresh revelation, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And Palm Sunday, so get this, here's what Palm Sunday is. Palm Sunday is not just when the the curtain gets revealed, it's when the door is just kicked open. This is when it begins. And see, up till now, all the way up till Palm Sunday, throughout the Gospels, God has only allowed little reveals of Jesus Christ, okay? Not the big reveal, but little reveals. uh, uh, To to individuals, for example, like uh, you have the woman in the well, Uh, No, she's not in the well. The woman at the well. Very important distinction, okay? There would have been a whole other kind of rescue involved, all right? 911 would have gotten involved. So we have this woman at the well, don't we, in John 4? And it's just her, and it's just Jesus. We have uh, Zacchaeus and Jesus in Luke 18, that, that isolated moment when Zacchaeus is up a tree, right? And Jesus is on the ground, and, and there's this glimpse. And then we have my favorite individual reveal. Um, in John chapter 1, and it's when Jesus is choosing his disciples, and, and uh, one of the first he picks is Philip, and Philip is like a crackerjack, right? I mean, he's just, man, he's so excited. He races off, and he goes and finds one of his best friends, a guy named Nathaniel, and he's got big news. And, and he says, we have, Nathaniel, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's response is, Nazareth? Really? Can anything good come from Nazareth? So Nathaniel's not buying it. So Philip says to him, just come and see. All you have to do is come and see. So Nathaniel takes off. He goes to meet Jesus. But when Jesus sees Nathaniel approaching, Jesus points at him and says, here comes one who is a true Israelite. In him there is no deceit. And Nathaniel is kind of taken back by this, you know? And and so he says, well, Jesus, wait a minute. How do you know me? And Jesus says, oh, well, I I saw you uh, sitting underneath the fig tree when Philip came up to you. And what was Nathaniel's response to that? His mind is blown. Rabbi, truly you're the son of God. You, you, You are the king of Israel. And what's the point? The point of that is just revelation. Nathaniel has had a glimpse He has seen for himself that Jesus Christ is not an ordinary man. He is not a good prophet. He's not a great teacher. He is the Son of God. He sees it in this moment, but it's an individual reveal. And then we have the the little group reveals, right? Like mostly to the disciples. Um, I I think of the one where uh, it's in uh, Matthew 8 where there's a storm. The disciples are trapped in a storm, and then suddenly Jesus rises up 
in his full Son of God, Lord of all nature and all creation. And Jesus stills the storm with a command. And, and their minds are blown. You know, I, I think of Matthew 17, where the transfiguration, where, where there are only three disciples. It's Peter, James, and John. They go up with Jesus onto a high mount, a mountain, and suddenly Jesus has one of these God moments, right? I mean, he is fully revealed. He is transfigured. Now, what does transfiguration mean? Well, basically here, it's just that his insides are flipped on the outside. That's, that's the best way to describe it in Scripture. All of his glory is on the outside. His clothes are dazzling white. His face shines like the sun. Jesus is revealed as the Son of God, and the disciples' minds are blown. But up till Palm Sunday, it's just been a revelation here and there to one or two, maybe even to an isolated crowd. But on Palm Sunday, God presents Jesus Christ to all of humanity in humility and majestic splendor. And by the way, that is proof right there that it is God and God alone. Only God could pull off absolute humility and absolute majesty at the same time. You know, I remember that the old, uh, oh gosh, this really dates me. But I remember the worship song from like the Hosanna CD. Some of you guys got those in the 80s. But oh, what a mystery, meekness and majesty. Only God can pull that off. But that is Palm Sunday. And so in Luke 19, 28 through 40, this is God's big reveal to the world that Jesus Christ is the saving Son of God to all the people in Jerusalem. And you might go, well, how in the world is that? How is that the whole world? Well, at that time in Jerusalem, the whole world is pretty much present. You know, it's well represented. Um, As the center of trade and politics and, and Roman occupation, Gentiles are everywhere in Jerusalem. But it's also a spiritual celebration, isn't it, for the Jews? What is this time? It's Passover. And so you've got all of these Jewish pilgrims who have come to the city. And then, of course, because Jesus Christ is coming to town, you're getting ready to have all of his followers flood into the city. So Jerusalem, which is typically a pretty busy place back then, I mean, it it just goes to the next level with Jesus coming into town. I mean, the whole town goes into overdrive. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and it's like nothing anybody has ever seen before. There are four groups here, basically. Um, First of all, you've got the disciples, and for them, Palm Sunday is an absolute God-ordained God moment, it's just this huge, gigantic thing, and nothing actually gives it away to the disciples, like this whole transportation issue of Jesus getting into town. You know, Jesus says to the disciples, Here's what, I want you two to go into town. Uh, you're going to find a donkey, a, a baby donkey tied up. You're going to ask the owner, if, if the, well, if anyone asks you why, you tell them the Lord needs it. There have been so many who have read this account and said, well, here's what's going on here. When, when Jesus, with the whole donkey thing, Jesus actually knew the owner, and he prearranged the whole thing. That, that's fine logic. I mean, I, I, I read that, and I go, yeah, that Luke is the master of description. I mean, this is the guy that never leaves out a detail. Well, he sure left that out. The way Luke presents this is that Jesus knows by the Spirit of God exactly what will be. And so the disciples take off to Jerusalem to go and do this thing. And I'm sure they're feeling pretty weird about this, you know? 
This, this is a really strange direction. We're going to go up to this house, and this owner is going to think we're a couple of lunatics, or he's going to think we're a couple of con men who are trying to swindle him out of his livestock, but they go. And it happens exactly like Jesus said it's going to happen. And so for them, this is just an incredible miracle God moment. And then you've got all of those followers in the crowd, you know, that are crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now understand with this crowd, they do not know what is going to happen at the end of the week. Okay, they, they, they do not know about the cross, all the specifics of it. Yes, Jesus has alluded to it. Yes, everybody should have figured it out from the Old Testament and hints dropped here and there in some direct statements, but nobody figures it out. Despite that, though, they still have got it right, basically. They still have got it right. Somehow they get it. This Jesus coming into town, it is a gigantic moment of epic spiritual proportions. This is God's big reveal of something. If nothing else, his miracle saving work, uh, uh, miracle saving, saving son is coming into town. So they've kind of got it in a sense. And then finally, we've got all of the, well, not finally, but we've got all these citizens, right? We've got all these visitors to Jerusalem. What is Palm Sunday for them on that day? Well, it's a very strange thing, but it's also a very significant thing. I mean, here is a man riding into town, and, and the way when people came into town like this, this is like a conquering war hero riding into town, but he's not on a war horse. He's on a donkey, and all of these people are caught up. And, and so for, for them, it's strange, but it's very, very significant. And then finally, we have the Jewish leaders. For them, Palm Sunday, for Palm Sunday is something completely different, all right? Uh, this is not some kind of miraculous God event. This is not something strange and significant. Um, you know, for them... Uh, this, this is a train wreck, and the reason this is a train wreck for them is that they have been allowed to practice Judaism as long as they don't make any trouble for Rome. As long as they keep a lid on it, they keep their people in order, you know, they're, they're allowed to practice Judaism, but here, here is this explosion of praise and worship. And so for them, this is a disaster in the making, and the, the, so they beg Jesus, shut your people up before Rome comes down on us. You've got all of these different reactions that day, but at the end of the day, here is what Palm Sunday is biblically. Jesus Christ rides into Jerusalem on a young donkey, and he is absolutely fulfilling Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus Christ comes into town, and he is the saving heavenly king who comes in the name of the Lord. And he is deliberately, unstoppably moving towards his death. He will die within the span of a week, not only as heaven's king, but he will die as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And for all who see it, 
all who embrace it, all who welcome him in as Savior, Jesus Christ will be their Prince of Peace way back then, today, and for the rest of time in, in the future. That's Palm Sunday. And some of you can probably figure out where I'm going with all of this. I'm going to a question, a very personal question for you and a personal question for me. And the question is this, who is Jesus Christ to you? Not 10 years ago, not yesterday, not tomorrow. Who is Jesus Christ to you right now? And I want you to think very carefully before you answer that because this is a question that has massive implications in our lives. If, if the answer to that question, who is Jesus, if, if the answer is, well, you know, Jesus is a really good guy. Now, Jesus is, is a great teacher. I mean, it's obvious. I've read a little bit, heard a little bit. Or Jesus is a wonderful moral example. If the answer is anything but Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord, then you need to hear this. You are living underneath a spiritual death sentence. The peace with God that you are looking for, and listen, some of us have been there and done that through finances, through trying to, you know, work it all out, order your life just right. The the peace that you're looking for, you will not find it outside of Jesus Christ in this lifetime. And then there's the, the issue of ultimate peace when this life ends. You haven't got that either. In other words, peace today and peace tomorrow, it ain't happening. Now, there is another reality, though, when it comes to us as Christians, where we can say it because we've been here and we've had a moment in the past and we've been around church enough where we can say in a heartbeat, you know what, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And yet there is something else that exists with us, and it is that our thoughts, our words, our actions, and our lives, they are littered with things like anger, judgment, uh, bitterness, fear, worry. And listen, we all have moments, right? But I'm talking about the condition of anger, judgment, bitterness, worry. And, and, and somehow what has happened, and this happens all the time for Christians, is we meet the Prince of Peace. We welcome him into our lives, and then life starts, and we just kind of push the Prince of Peace out of our lives. And Jesus, Jesus identifies this. It's actually a, a rotten spiritual game. We, we see it in Matthew 15, 8, and Jesus says, Look, uh, these people, they honor me with their lips, but in reality, their hearts are far, far away. And Jesus is pointing to this very dangerous game we play, and I would say it's actually a very deadly game. And that is why Palm Sunday ends this way. In verses 40 and 41, Jesus goes up on a hill And he looks out over Jerusalem, and these are his words. He says, both to the religious and to the unbelieving, if only you had known this day what would have brought you peace. And it's Jesus lamenting over the spiritual condition. You know, our mission statement at KPC begins this way. KPC's purpose is to deeply experience the love of God and the presence of God. You know what the first Palm Sunday was? A deep experience of the love and presence of God, of of the one, of Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. And and I want to say this to you today. You know, maybe you're like me today. 
okay? Um, maybe you are kind of battle-weary in life. Does anybody ever get that way? You just get battle-weary with life. Oh my gosh, nobody, nobody said yes, it's just me. Um, but <laughs> maybe you're discouraged. You know, I find myself in seasons of discouragement as a pastor, as a person, you know, as a Christian, where it's just, it's life, sometimes it's ministry, sometimes it's just stuff, all that stuff lately. Maybe you find yourself a, a bit bleak. You know, if you described your heart today, you'd say, I am so dry on the inside. Or you might say, well, there is a stream flowing out of me, but the stream is some pretty polluted water. You know, it's murky, it's dark, it's, it's negative. You know, maybe your uh, self-confidence today it, it, and your self-worth just feel riddled with bullet holes. Well, i tell you one thing. Today is a great opportunity to answer that question. I did it this week. Who is Jesus Christ to me right now? Who is he in my life? And, and listen, if, if, that, if that question is answered by the peace of God from within you, saying, oh, he is my Lord, then rejoice this Palm Sunday. If the peace of God answers that question that way, if, if your answer is, you know, I don't know who he is right now, or it's a religious uh, kind of churchy, um, well, of course, he's Lord, um, but, it, but it's got all that other emptiness and religion with it. Today, we simply just need to behold the one who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the salvation of the world. We need to behold the Son of God and just repent and believe and enter into his peace all over again. I talked about this uh, uh, last week. We need to come with, with just open hands and open hearts, just joining the crowd in a very fresh way and, and welcoming that fresh experience of his presence and his love. Because, see, the bottom line is this. When it comes to Jesus Christ and everything that he is, every word is true. Every experience is absolutely normative and real. But when our experience is anything but that, the, the bottom line is life without Jesus. It's not life, you know? And church without a fresh revelation of Jesus is, church is pretty much a wasteland. So I want to pray for us for just a minute. Let's open our hearts to the Lord. Father God, right now, we are here together as a family. And Lord, we're, we're in all kind of different conditions today. You know, some of us are hurting. Some of us are hopeful some of us are discouraged. Some of us are on top of the world. But Lord, right now, wherever we are, if we are not able to just say, yes, right now in my life, Jesus Christ is absolutely the Prince of Peace. Oh, He, he, he is on the throne of my heart. I'm just radiating with His love. I, I, am, I am lifted up. I am filled. Lord God, if we can't say that, then right now by faith, Right now, Jesus, we invite you to ride right through our lives all over again on this Palm Sunday. God, by faith, we just, we just join the crowd on that Palm Sunday morning, Lord God. We are here to behold you. Lord, we're here to experience you. God, we come for a deep, fresh experience of your presence, your love in our lives. Lord, the last thing we want to do is any of this without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Palm Sunday is awesome. 
Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.